Hey there, I'm Melanie Reed, and this is the HR Mentor. Have you ever heard of the term imposter syndrome? If you're on social media and you follow any self-development experts, you probably have. The term was first used in 1978 when doctors Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes wrote an article called The Imposter Phenomenon in High-Achieving Women, Dynamics and Therapeutic Intervention. Their research focused on women who were, by all accounts, high achievers with accolades, but who, despite their external recognition, did not see their accomplishments in the same way. They still had a lot of self-doubt. The research on imposter syndrome has expanded over time, and the topic has now been extensively written and, and talked about. To some degree, I think most high-achieving professionals have bouts of self-doubt or imposter syndrome over the course of their career. I know I certainly have, and still sometimes do. And while self-doubt is not any type of diagnosed disorder, it can cause a lot of anxiety, stress, guilt, and low self-esteem, none of which feels good or helps us achieve what our definition of success is. So today I wanted to share just a few strategies that I've learned over the years to help me keep my fears and self-doubt in check when I set big goals for myself. These are simple strategies, but they've made a huge difference in my ability to move forward with my career. Now, if you have big unicorn-like dreams or even baby unicorn dreams you want to achieve, you're definitely going to want to make some notes today. So let's get started. Welcome to the HR Mentor Podcast, the podcast for emerging HR practitioners to get practical advice, tools, and strategies to build credibility, confidence, and ultimately, a fulfilling HR career. As I said, there were definitely a few times in my career when I had a significant amount of self-doubt or felt like an imposter. One of the most prevalent ones was starting this podcast. Now, even though I talk for a living and I'm a pretty extroverted person, there was still a lot of fear in sharing my thoughts in this forum. I never knew what the feedback would be like or if anybody would even listen. And so I held off for a long time because I was just too fearful and also uncertain of my ability to actually pull this off. Another time that I remember feeling a bit like an imposter or having a lot of self-doubt was when I started a new corporate role and I had taken on a new portfolio that no one in the organization had ever done before. So I was really creating the actual program or function from scratch. Now, it was something I had some related experience with and I certainly had a lot of knowledge of it, but I had never done it before, and so there was a lot of doubt about whether or not I was actually going to be able to deliver. And in both of those cases, what I did was employ some of these strategies that I'm going to share with you today to help me overcome that and to move forward with more confidence and more certainty about whether or not I would be able to actually deliver what I promised to deliver. So here are my favorite strategies for overcoming self-doubt in your career. Number one, take action. Number two, get honest feedback. 
Number three, swim in your own lane. Number four, engage with a mentor or coach. Number five, reframe your limiting beliefs. And number six, self-care. Let's start with the first one, take action. I don't know about you, but nothing makes me feel better about something I've been ruminating about or worrying about than actually doing something about it, especially if I think it's something that I'm not good enough to do. Let's say, for example, you aren't sure that you should maybe apply for a promotion at work because you don't know if you can do the job as well as the last person or if you can do the job at all. And let's say that you're really close to letting this incredible opportunity pass you by because of your fear that you aren't experienced enough or knowledgeable. What action could you take to help you get some clarity? If you said ask someone about the job, you're absolutely right. Yes, ask somebody. If you know someone personally who's done the job you're interested in, call them and ask them about the job. Try to avoid asking them what you should do because no one can really tell you exactly what you should do, but maybe ask them what they do or what they did in that job. And most importantly, ask them how they felt and what their knowledge and experience was when they first started in that role. Comparing yourself at day zero to them at day 1000 is not really a fair comparison. But chances are when they started, they had similar doubts and possibly similar experience and knowledge as you. And if you learned that somebody started from the same place you're at and they were successful in the job, that's going to boost your confidence and help reduce the doubts you're having. Taking action might also look like getting more information or conducting research. When I started this podcast, I had no clue how to record a podcast, edit audio, or create show notes. It was all brand new and very scary. But after months of thinking about it, I decided that I needed to just get busy and set myself a deadline. So I did some research. I took a really short free course online. I listened to a podcast about producing a podcast. And with some trial and error and feedback from other people, voila. Is it perfect? No, but it's boosted my confidence, not only with my ability to create the podcast, but also with the messages I'm sharing. Taking action doesn't have to be a great big huge leap to make you feel less doubtful. Even doing one small thing can help move you forward. If you're in a job search and you're fearful of networking with other professionals, Set a small goal for yourself to reach out to three people this week. I believe that once you get a few replies and get maybe even one virtual coffee chat set up to talk to someone about their HR career, you're going to feel a whole lot better. In fact, I know you will because I have former students that have done just that. And once they put themselves out there, they start to feel more confident and their doubt in themselves diminishes. Learning about other people's career paths can really help you feel more confident about your own. We all started from the same place. When I started my career, I had no experience. I had a piece of paper and just some big goals about what I wanted to achieve. And over time and learning from other people and taking small steps towards what I wanted, I started to be more confident in what my path was. So taking action is a really important step to reducing your self-doubt. 
The second one is getting feedback. Feedback is so important if you have self-doubt. It can let you know what to keep doing, what to stop doing, and make you feel a whole lot better about your career path. But the real key here is to get the right feedback. Don't just ask anyone. Dr. Tasha Yurik in her book, Insight, says this about asking for other people's feedback. She says you really need to choose the right people to get feedback from. She says the right people are not unloving critics or uncritical lovers. In her book, she says this, Unloving critics are the type of people who would criticize everything we do. A jealous co-worker, an ex with a grudge, or an irrational uptight boss. Whatever their motives, they don't want us to succeed. They don't trust us, or they're just unreasonably critical people. Their feedback rarely objectively reflects reality. On the other end of the spectrum, the second source to avoid are uncritical lovers. While unloving critics hate everything we do, uncritical lovers wouldn't criticize us if their lives depended on it. This group can include both people who think we walk on water and can do no wrong, example, our moms, and those who are afraid to tell us the truth. So, who should you ask? Tasha says the answer is loving critics, people who will be honest with us while still having our best interests at heart. But it isn't always the most obvious people to us. You need someone who you trust, who has insight into whatever action or behavior you want feedback on, and they must be willing to be brutally honest with you. So what should you get feedback on? Well, if you're having doubts about your effectiveness as an HR professional, perhaps someone you support or provide HR services to. If you're the HR coordinator, ask one of the HR advisors about specific aspects of your work. The real key is to be specific. Don't just ask people how you're doing. For example, ask them if they feel that your communication is clear or if they could provide you with feedback on your prioritization skills or writing skills. If you're asking for feedback after an interview, ask the person who interviewed you if your answers were detailed enough or too detailed, or if there was any other type of experience they think would make you more suitable for a similar role in the future. Again, you want to make sure that whatever you're asking for feedback on is visible to the person that you're asking for the feedback from. You want to make sure that somebody is able to be constructive, not just kind or critical. But regardless, feedback is an incredible way to overcome your self-doubt. I know for me, when I first started facilitating workshops, I was really nervous And one of the best things I did is start asking for people for feedback about my presentation style. I wasn't necessarily concerned about the content, but I wanted to make sure that my actual delivery was engaging. I did the same thing when I started teaching at the university. It can be pretty overwhelming standing up there and talking to 40 young people who are all just staring and hanging on your every word. For some people, that's intoxicating, but for me, it was nerve-wracking. And I wasn't sure if they were actually getting anything out of it. They were awake, they looked attentive, but I wasn't getting a lot of 
immediate feedback from them. So one of the first things I started to do in my early teaching days is I asked for feedback midway through the semester. And I sent them a short survey and I asked very specific questions about what they would like me to do differently, what they thought about my delivery. And then because they were so quiet, I also gave them the opportunity to ask me anything they wanted to ask me that they were too nervous to ask in class. And we ended up having some really fantastic discussions because of that survey. It also helped me adjust my teaching style so that I was able to get more engagement in the classroom. So the second strategy is to get feedback and feedback from the right people. My third strategy is swim in your own lane and do your homework. The opposite of imposter syndrome is the Dunning-Kruger effect which is where you overestimate your abilities. Now, the swim in your own lane advice can be applied in two different ways. Number one, what I mean by this is to focus more on you and what you're doing and not so much on everyone else. It's so easy to compare ourselves to other people now on social media and, and through likes and tweets, etc., a comparison of where other people are at can really amplify your self-doubt. Maybe someone you graduated with already has their first HR role, or you're in an HR advisor role and your friend who you went to university with is already a VP. Your path is not their path. Remember that. Your path is your path. And if you have ever swam lengths of a pool, you know that if you start to look around at what other people are doing in the pool, you are not going to win the race. Heck, you're probably not even really swimming anymore. So first of all, focus on you, what you can control and what your path is. It is truly uniquely yours, and it's wonderful in its own way. The great news about this, too, is that you can pick a new lane or a new path at any time. So if you don't like the path you're on, start taking action to change it. Set a new path. But that's so much easier to do if you stay focused on what you're doing, celebrate others that have what you want, rather than disparaging them or envying them. The second version of Swim in Your Own Lane comes from one of my favorite potty-mouthed motivational speakers, Gary Vee. Gary talks a lot about self-doubt and how to get over it. And if you like colorful language and tough but really loving love, you might want to check him out. But one of the reasons why he says he's so confident when he speaks to people is because he sticks to what he knows. He knows about starting businesses, growing businesses, sports cards, garage sales, social media marketing, and wine. Another great reason to love Gary, wine. He's not talking about politics or the environment because those aren't his areas of expertise. If you listen to him a lot, he says the same things over and over again in different ways to different audiences, but he's really consistent. And this is one of the pieces of advice that helped me get over my fear of starting this podcast. I decided to stick to what I know. I know a lot about the gap from student to professional. Not only have I lived it, but I experience it with my own students all the time. I know about HR and the behaviors that can make someone successful in an HR career. 
I know a lot about leadership and mindset because I taught these subjects and have done a lot of work on myself. So that's what I talk about. Not finance, not artificial intelligence, not data analytics or social media marketing. Those are not my jam. And I feel much more sure of myself when I talk about what I know. So this doesn't mean you can't chart a new path or learn something new. You definitely should do those things. I'm always learning new things. But I don't put myself out there as an expert in things I'm not an expert in. And in my HR career, I definitely didn't punch above my weight class. Meaning if I didn't know about something or I didn't feel confident in doing it, I didn't do it. I found somebody else that could. For example, in my consulting practice, I don't do investigations. Number one, I don't enjoy them. But number two, it's not my area of expertise or knowledge. So I always refer that kind of work to someone else. There's certain types of training that I'm not an expert in or I don't have materials prepared for. I refer my clients to other people. My goal is to make sure that they get the best service possible, not that I get all the work. And I'm not going to feel very confident or sure of myself going in and providing a service that I'm not an expert in. So I think it's always important that we remind ourselves to be focused on what we know best. Yes, again, you can learn to do new things, to teach new things. But until you're there, you're probably going to have more self-doubt. So if you're feeling that way and you've taken on something, then make sure you're getting yourself educated and knowledgeable about that subject. Ask for feedback. Take small steps to move yourself forward. But definitely, when you're feeling uncertain, swim in your own lane. Number four, engage with a mentor or a coach. Mentors and coaches can both be valuable if you're struggling with imposter syndrome but they serve different purposes. A mentor is going to be someone usually in your field that can share their own experiences and be a guide and supporter as you navigate your career or deciding on a career path. I know mentors have been instrumental in my career both as an HR professional and as a professor. A coach, on the other hand, is someone who's there to help you navigate change or help you reach goals you want to reach. A coach is not necessarily there to teach you, and they're not going to tell you what is best for you, but they offer an outside and possibly more objective perspective that can be incredibly valuable if you suffer from self-doubt. A coach can help you identify your strengths and weaknesses and guide you through a process of development. For example, if you're not sure where to take your HR career, they can help you explore your options and help you get to know yourself in a way that makes the decision a little more obvious. Of course, if you are doubting your abilities, this can be incredibly helpful. Yes, you have to pay for this amazing service, but it's entirely worth it because it can help you build confidence in your decision-making and in your career path. And most importantly, getting this type of guidance can really help put your self-doubt to rest. If you're interested in mentoring, definitely check out the CPHR Mentoring Program. Most provincial HR associations offer programs, and registration usually starts this time of year. And if you're keen to try coaching, there are lots of resources out there. 
I would start with someone registered from the International Coaching Federation or ICF, as I do know some of the coaches that have had their training from there, and they're excellent. I'll share some links in the show notes for this episode as well, where you can find the ICF website. The other person you might want to connect with is my colleague Yasser Khan. Yasser is a career coach, and if you've been following me on social media, you'll see that we did a live session just a week ago, and he offers different coaching and education programs related to career development. Or you can contact me directly, and I can let you know what kind of coaching options I have. Either way, connecting with people in your industry or people that know more or can help you reframe things or look more objectively at your career is really going to help you overcome any self-doubts or feeling like an imposter. My fifth strategy is to work on reframing your limiting beliefs. Now, for those of you that follow me, you know I've talked about this quite a bit before. But limiting beliefs can really hold us back in taking action or getting the results we want. Now, limiting beliefs are any messages that we tell ourselves that are contrary to what we want. So, for example, if we're taking on a new project or a new role, like the case was for me when I started that new corporate job, a limiting belief that I might tell myself would sound like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I've never done this before and I'm completely going to fail. As you can imagine, that wouldn't have been very helpful for me to move forward. So creating a more positive or empowering belief for myself and reminding myself of that belief can help me move forward. I could say something like, I've never done this before and it seems really complicated but I've figured out other complicated things and been successful. I could tell myself that over and over again, or I could tell myself, I can figure this out, right? All you have to do is find a more empowering belief that you can have faith in or that you actually believe is possible and remind yourself of that. Now, in episode two of this podcast, I share three ways that you can shift your limiting beliefs to better support your career and your career path. I encourage you to check it out at www.unicorngroup.ca forward slash episode dash two. Or if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Podbean, you can listen to episode two there. There's also a handy worksheet that I share with you to really help you frame your limiting belief in a more positive belief. And that's going to help you overcome the self-doubt that you might be having about whatever this next step is for you. My sixth and final strategy for overcoming imposter syndrome or self-doubt is to really practice self-care. I am a big advocate for this, and it's something that has been instrumental in my entire career. As I said at the beginning, some of the outcomes of having a lot of self-doubt include anxiety, stress, negative feelings towards yourself, and those types of feelings can really hold you back from 
Again, taking the next step or moving forward with whatever it is that you want to accomplish or achieve. So practicing good self-care always, but especially when you're having these feelings of self-doubt, can really help you move past those feelings. Some of my favorite ways to practice self-care when I'm feeling overwhelmed or stressed or doubtful are, number one, exercise. Movement is so important to me, and it doesn't really matter how much or how often, just that you move. It doesn't mean go buy a gym pass or a $5,000 mountain bike. All it means is actually physically move your body. We spend so much time sitting and staring at devices that most people don't get enough movement, and this can be a huge stress reliever. I also find that exercise helps me think better. Most of you probably know that when you exercise, it releases endorphins, and those are feel-good chemicals in our body. Yes, it helps reduce bad stress, but it also helps stimulate your brain function. And for me, I find that I do my best thinking and problem-solving when I'm in movement. I'm a runner, and so that's the perfect place for me to do that. I have some great ideas when I'm out there. I often used to say I wish there was some way to just capture all of my thoughts when I'm running because I often forget some of my brilliant ideas when I get back to the car. But regardless, it does help me clear my head, think clearly, and also make me feel better when I'm done. I've never met anyone that engaged in some sort of exercise and said, oh, that was a complete waste of my time. I don't feel good at the end. It's the getting there that's the hardest part. But sometimes you need to buddy up, go for a walk or a hike. I have a regular hiking date with one of my best girlfriends. And I always say by the end of it, we've solved the world's problems. We get out there, we get some fresh air, we get some exercise, and it gives us a chance to just sort of decompress what's going on in our lives. So number one, exercise. Number two, and I know this is a tough one for so many of us, but try and eat well. Really, when we don't eat well, our bodies don't feel good, and that affects how we feel about ourselves. I'm not saying you have to, you know, become vegan overnight or, you know, only eat vegetables or try some extreme diet. This has nothing to do with dieting. But when you put good stuff in your body, you feel better about yourself. And feeling better about yourself helps you combat those feelings of self-doubt. Usually when we're feeling bad, we reach for the worst things, right? The salty foods, the carbs. I know for me, it's popcorn. Those sorts of things can make me feel worse about myself because my body doesn't feel good when I eat them. So eat the foods that make you feel good inside, and that's going to help you feel better about yourself and reduce the amount of doubt you have about yourself. My third self-care practice is meditation. Now, I know some of you are probably going to say, oh, I've tried that, it doesn't work. When I talk about meditation, I'm not talking about having to sit in lotus position for 30 minutes a day and trying to have no thoughts at all. Meditation is a practice, and they call it a practice for a reason, because it takes practice. You can't just try it once and reap the benefits of it. But just quieting your mind even for three to five minutes can really help you feel better about yourself, can reduce your stress levels, and that's going to help you cope better with what's ahead and those feelings that you're having. 
I like to do it in the car right before I go into a meeting. I just sit quietly for a few minutes. And one of my favorite strategies I, I used to teach my classes is just to sit and put your hands out facing upwards and close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, and just try and feel your hands. I know that sounds kind of funny, but if you do that and you just focus on feeling your hands, you'll start to feel the energy in your hands. And when you're focused on that, you're not focused on other things. You're not thinking about other things. You're just trying to feel your hands. And that alone can help reduce your stress and shift your feelings about yourself. So meditation is a really good practice. If you're not sure about starting it on your own, there are lots of cool apps that you can use that will provide guided meditations of varying lengths that can help you with this. I know the one that I choose to use is called Insight. It's a free app and there's lots of different styles of meditation. I also usually turn on meditation music right before I go to bed and I find it helps me sleep better. So definitely try this if you haven't before and remember that it's a practice. You're not suddenly going to become somebody that is instantly meditating for 30 minutes a day by trying it once. And you don't need to meditate for 30 minutes a day. You can try it for five minutes and just practice it over time and see how you feel. My last self-care suggestion is to laugh. When you have an opportunity to just let yourself have a fun moment or a happy moment or laugh with somebody else, it's going to make you feel better about yourself. I know it's really difficult right now with COVID for us to be with our friends and our family and the people that make us feel good. But if you make an effort, even if you have to do it through this dreaded Zoom call or a Facebook video chat, just having somebody to talk to and laugh with and share a funny moment with can be really helpful for your stress and also make you feel better about yourself. One of the students in one of my classes this semester, she always sends these cute little memes in the chat when I ask a question. And it's just great because it breaks up the monotony of my voice and also it just gives everybody a chance to kind of smile and laugh. So do what you can to make sure that you're engaging with people that make you feel good. Don't spend time with the people that don't if you can avoid it and do what you can to make sure that you have some fun and funny moments in your day. Okay, let's summarize. Here are my favorite strategies for overcoming self-doubt in your career. Number one, take action. Number two, get honest feedback. Number three, swim in your own lane. Number four, engage with a mentor or a coach. Number five, reframe your limiting beliefs. And number six, practice self-care. I really hope that you found these strategies helpful. I know that they have been really critical for me to move forward with my career and my business and trying new things. If you have your own suggestions for how to overcome self-doubt, feel free to share them in a comment or send me a message. I always love hearing from you. And if you haven't already subscribed to The HR Mentor, please do and ensure that you never miss a future episode. 
Just as a reminder, season one is going to be wrapping up in a few weeks, and I'm going to be sending out a call very shortly for your questions, because as a thank you to all my listeners, I want to take an opportunity to just answer whatever questions you might have about your HR career or your job search. So watch for that on social media. You can find all the helpful resources that I've talked about in this episode in the show notes at www.unicorngroup.ca forward slash episode 17. Thanks so much for being here and for all your support. I really appreciate it. Take care and bye for now.